knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is going to be David in the shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner going, he's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And he didn't just agree from eternity to do it, he actually did it. It is fatal, fatal for us to think that we can ever move on from the gospel. The great problem in the evangelical church today where the scripture is concerned, there's not the inerrancy of the Bible. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. So we have to wake up what's happening and recognize that the problem really is our lack of theology. Hi and welcome to Theology Gals. I'm Colleen Sharp and my co-host is Ashley Glassick. And before we get to today's topic, Ashley, when we did the Harry Potter and Christian literature episode, uh, and we talked about, hey, if you need lists for books, you know, message us. And I, I really have, um, I had linked Rachel Miller's list, which is really more for older kids. And I've had some girls contact me that really wanted stuff more for younger kids. And I could probably put something together off the top of my head. But I wanted to mention a couple of books that I would highly, highly recommend. They're pretty popular in in homeschool circles, but these books give a lot of great recommendations for books. And one of them is called Honey for a Child's Heart. And the other one is called The Read Aloud Handbook. And that'll probably be books that you probably want to get too. For are, are they for, they're for older kids or they're like, no, they have, they have stuff from, no, this has stuff starting from younger kids. Okay. Um, on on up which is great now i i am a huge huge believer in the importance of reading aloud to your children mm -hmm. and i started reading aloud to my children not long after birth and they loved it and my son jonathan if i was reading aloud like to austin my youngest my son jonathan as a teenager would even stop and come over and sit and listen which i thought was so fascinating <laughs> they, they loved it and i think that i think it encouraged and helped them develop just a true love for reading my son benjamin is not as much a reader but he has a lot of um learning disabilities and stuff but my other kids they just read everything. Mm -hmm. They they love to read. And I was thinking this week, I, I'm a little bit concerned that with um, the increase of smartphones and social media and stuff like that, the kids won't be reading as much. Yeah. Well, my husband's an English teacher and he'll say that kids nowadays are reading more than ever, but they're not reading quality things they're reading text messages and you know little blurbs on the internet and on snapchat so <clears throat> they actually are they're reading quote unquote because they you know what i mean they look at right. their phones all the time but yeah they're not reading books um they're just reading very low level things on their phones yeah and that so. that is concerning i'm glad that my kids still um are reading a lot i i have my son ian so he's my son that'll be 18 in may that's graduating high school he has a kindle that he really likes using the kindle and we have like four Kindles or something and my son Austin too. And they're always like, can I buy this book on the Kindle? Which that's like the one, most of the time, unless it's like outrageously expensive, it's, mm -hmm. it's usually a, a yes from me because if there's a book that they want to read, I want to encourage them to do so. And their school actually does not have a library. We do have one in town that we could 
utilize. And then I, you can also, there's the one thing that's great is right now they're reading a lot of classics and a lot of those you can find for free or 99 cents on Kindle. So, right. Yeah. Um, they're not actually spending a whole lot of, of money. My son, Ian actually took a class, zombie literature. So that was kind of oh. funny. They have they have some interesting classes. Zombie literature. There's quite a bit of that out there. I know. I didn't even know until he took the class. I was like, wow. There was like a zombie. I don't know. Maybe we're still in it. Like almost this obsession with zombies for like 10 years. And yeah. there were TV shows and that's right. The Walking yeah. Dead. I don't even yeah. know. Is that on anymore? Yeah, it is still on. It's still really a big deal. I haven't heard of it. There's actually a guy that has, I don't know if he still has it or not. He's a Reformed guy. I think he's Reformed Baptist that had um, a podcast on, on theology and The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah, I forget the name of it. Oh wow, that's not that's not things I would think to connect, but I'm sure you can. <laughs> There's kind of podcasts on everything. Yeah, have like gamey, like theology and gaming. Oh yeah, I can actually see that a lot more because there's a lot of interesting stories in gaming. Not that mm -hmm. I game, not that I game, but like I know, you know, just the yeah. There's a lot. There's it's it's not like Pong or Pac-Man. Right. Or <laughs> there's a lot, you know, because your kids play them too. Right. Right. That's that's true. I know. I'm already thinking this episode that people are, are going to be like upset with us because <laughs> they're like, wait, you let your kids play video games and <laughs> you let your son do a zombie literature class. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about. And I think maybe it's a good time to jump into our topic today. And first of all, I want to say this is not going to be a thorough or extensive um, defense of of anything that we're going to talk about. This Ashley and I just want to have a dis basically a discussion yeah. about about education, and I think she and I both have very different um, areas that we know a lot about. Because yeah. Ashley is a public school teacher, I'm somebody who homeschooled for years and then put my kids into public school. And so I think we both have some unique perspectives on things. And we're going to talk about things like Common Core and maybe not say wow. what you think. That's a, that's a, that's a dirty word. <laughs> you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> and, and we're going to talk about should Christians send their kids to public school. So I think one thing I've been thinking about as we prepare for this episode is that I, I think it's a fairly new idea or I'm sure there's people that have believed it all along, but more broad now that homeschooling is the only option for Christians. Hmm. And I, I would, I'm kind of thinking it was your generation where it really started to grow. Did you know? Like when I, homeschoolers? are you saying when I was a kid? Is that yeah, what you're saying? that's what I mean. When you're, when you're, you're, your peers and it was yeah. their parents who started to that's when I really took off. Well, I my one of my friends who was homeschooled and is homeschooling their kids said that they're the third generation of homeschoolers. Like it's so I'm thinking maybe I don't know what made them say that, but maybe it was it was their parents that kind of started it. Mm -hmm. And then they with when they were kids it got more popular. But when I was a kid, I mean, I went to private Christian school. I didn't, I didn't know anyone who was homeschooled. I didn't even know, actually didn't even know about homeschooling until I was in high school and I met someone who had just started ninth grade. Oh, okay. <clears throat> they had I just started ninth grade and they had been homeschooled their whole life. And I was like, what? You went to school at home? Like I <laughs> Like, I didn't even know, like, I didn't know anybody, any families that did that. It was not normal at all. In fact, I thought it was really weird. It's like, what do you mean? You just didn't go to school? And, um, yeah, he, I mean, he was a completely normal person, you know, mm -hmm. educated and everything. It just was so weird to me when I first heard about it. Yeah, especially if you weren't familiar <laughs> with it. I, I will say my, one of my very best friends, um, Kim, 
she and she's a year younger than me, so close to my age. So we're both approaching our mid forties here, and she was homeschooled her entire education. Okay. And I, actually, I take that back. I think she may have gone to like kindergarten and first grade or something. I'd have to ask her. But she was homeschooled for most of it, along with her siblings. And her parents even ran a homeschooling, Christian homeschooling organization in their state. And they were they were very involved. And so they really watched the growth, you know, starting from the 70s and then the 80s where you saw it pick up a little bit and then the 90s where it really took off. And where I saw it is the increase in homeschool curriculum. Hmm. There wasn't a lot available. And I knew I knew one family in my church that homeschooled. And I that's when I think I was about 13 when I first learned of it and met this family. And I thought it was the neatest thing I'd ever heard of. And I decided then I was going to homeschool my kids. <laughs> right then. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, well, if I could share a little bit about my background with it. Yeah. Cause I think, I think people listening might think, well, she's a public school teacher. So, you know, we know where she stands. <laughs> right. Um, I actually, I always thought homeschooling was really weird. I really did. I, there's, there's a reputation. I don't know if you're familiar with this, Colleen, that like homeschool kids are like not socialized or something. Right. Yeah. And so that's what I was always told. Once I like knew about it, you know, that's what I always thought. The only homeschool kids I met like later in college, um, kind of fit that description. And then when I became a Presbyterian, uh, like everyone in my church homeschooled and I, they were like these amazing homeschool families, you know? And I was like, like, I remember talking to our pastor's kids They they were homeschooled and I was talking to their 12 year old daughter, trying to recommend books to her. Cause she was like an avid reader. And I realized, Oh my gosh, this 12 year old girl is better read than I am. <laughs> and I was just amazed by all these homeschool families. So I met all these amazing homeschool families, kids that were, you know, completely normal <laughs> and, you know, better read than me and smarter than me, which, you know, like seriously, like their 13 year old was like taking calculus or something. I was like, whoa, like this is homeschooling, you know? And so I spent a lot of time thinking that's probably what I was going to do was homeschool. Um, all the while I, you know, been teaching in the public school system, um, I have, you know, I have an undergrad in math and I just finished my master's in math education. So, you know, I just have these varied experiences. Like, even though I haven't had kids of school age yet, I, I've just, I'm not, I'm not biased to one particular type of schooling. Um, I don't think there's like one that's like the answer. Um, but, and I do have a lot of experience in the public school system. I mean, the good, the bad, and the ugly I've seen, I've seen a lot of it. So, um, I just wanted to, to say that before we get going. Yeah. And I should probably tell my story very quickly. And I have written an article I'll link in this episode called is homeschooling really the answer. So as I said, I decided when I was 13, that's what I want to do. And when and I started to meet some more homeschool families. There was a few homeschool families in the first reformed church I joined. And then by the time my husband and I got married, it had become um very popular in reformed circles. So that was the mid nineties where the the churches that we attended, the Presbyterian churches we attended, um, I would say at least over fifty percent were homeschooling their children. Mm-hmm. So um, and when my husband and I first started talking and um, weren't even dating yet, my husband's so funny. He kind of laid out some <laughs> different things like that he believed. Like he's like, I don't really want my wife to work once we have kids and stuff. And I said, well, I'm homeschooling my children. He's like, OK, yeah, I, I, I want to do that, too. And stuff. so and so we decided before we even went on our first date. And and that's what I did. And. So I was very involved in in homeschool circles. In fact, when I was pregnant with my first son, Jonathan, there was a family in our, our PCNA and she had to she was pregnant and had to be on bed rest 
through her pregnancy because she had had her first baby at 29 weeks. And so she tended to go in bed into labor, but her kids were homeschooled and, and actually her first child actually had cerebral palsy. And so I got to homeschool her daughter um, for several months. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of neat because I was getting to do this thing that I'd always wanted to do. And so then we had our children and we did, we did homeschool and we, we used different kinds of curriculum. We, we did different things. Um, some people might be familiar with K-12, which has virtual academies. And the reason that we used K-12 is because with, for some, for a few years, as my son Benjamin having cerebral palsy, um, we, we, we could get his therapy through the through the school system if we used that. And we had some complications back then on getting, we were able to get him therapy through the public school system before he was kindergarten age. But then after that, we had some trouble. So anyways, we did that virtual school, which is virtual schools for those not familiar are publicly funded homeschool programs is what they are. So some people are opposed to them also. But then, but most of our schooling we used other curriculums and stuff. We were involved in different homeschool co-ops and and one that I even started. And then then I got very sick. And it I'm not gonna talk about that a lot, but it I was hospitalized a lot and I didn't it was very hard for me to do anything. In fact I slept a lot when I first got sick and I was just very sick. And after a year of that and barely being able to school my children, my husband said, you can't do this. And we, we kept my son Benjamin out and my mom helped school him because she's a retired home uh, teacher, but she, I was not going to ask her to homeschool all of my children. And, and then we put our kids into the charter schools here, which have been we've had a wonderful experience. Was so. that a little scary for you? I mean, well, um, one of the things is there in in homeschool circles, at least in mine, maybe it's not this way in all, public schools are painted as this very scary place. And because of my experience, I my whole perspective has changed because one thing I've learned is that not all public schools are the same. You know, they're they're very different from one another. And you've probably seen that. You probably Definitely. know that very well. Yep. Yeah. There I mean, <clears throat> like as you know, I'm about to be a parent, you know, my kid'll go to school in five years or so. And my husband and I actually haven't even decided how we're gonna school, but sometimes I'll think about, well, if we do send them to school the only school I would send them to is that one, <laughs> you know, because I know right. all the schools in the area. I know them very well. I, I hear stories. I, you know, just being in the system, you know it a lot better. And there are schools that I would definitely not send my children to, like definitely not. So, and that's, I don't even know if I am going to put my kids in public school, but um, right. I, I definitely know that they're not all the same. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I, what I'd like to do is maybe talk about the positives and negatives of the different options. And I see, sure. I see four options for schooling out there. <laughs> Homeschooling is one option. I mean, there's mm -hmm. options within the options, but for, I'll do four primary categories. Homeschooling, public schooling, and um, Christian schools and church schools. And by the way, church schools are different than Christian schools. A Christian school is a Christian school that anybody is welcome. A church school, and we've got a couple near me. In fact, the um, the ARC here has one. Okay. Um, it is what it is. It's basically a school just for the children in that congregation. It's, mm -hmm. I mean, it's only the the covenant children. And it's actually run, I know this one in particular, it's, and a lot of times it's um, provided free or people contribute what they're able. And a lot of times it's run by the parents. I actually am a big, I really love the ideas of, of church mm -hmm. schools. I mean, I guess I would ask, let's just start 
with Christian schools, what was your experience? Yeah, I went to Christian school until eighth grade. And, you know, I'm actually very grateful that my parents did that. The school I went to had poor theology, but I feel that I was protected from a lot of things maybe that, that those that were public schooled maybe like by the time I was in public school, I was in ninth grade. And so I just, I wasn't a Christian. I, I did not accept the gospel until I was in my twenties, but I, I did, I do remember entering ninth grade and being ahead education wise. Like I, like, especially in math, like I felt like, oh, wow, I know a lot more than my, you know, public school classmates. And that, and I think that probably varies depending on what private school, you know, you put your kids right. in. Uh, but also my dad's an engineer and my mom, you know, works in like software. And so the math thing might not be just the school. Um, but I would say it was a positive mm-hmm. um, experience my, my private school was. Yes, a lot of, and I think we need to also say, just like public schools, Christian schools can vary greatly. Because I've, mm-hmm. I've heard, I've had people say to me, uh, "I went to Christian school and it was horrible, and the kids there were doing all kinds of horrible things. They were sleeping around. They were this. They were that." And so, you know, I think is that's going to vary from Christian school to Christian school. Also, yeah, it might depend on what kind of Christian school it is. I mean. Like in, I know about 30 minutes from me, there's a reformed Christian school, you know? And so I'm like, that's probably different than your typical, like my school is like an evangelical, like it was connected to a church, right? evangelical type, you know, there wasn't a lot of theology or anything. It was just, and, and there is, there is in Christian schools sometimes it, it, it does become a place where kids who got kicked out of public school, their parents are trying to figure something out with them. And, and so there is that, you know, their parents are like, maybe I'll just put them in this, this school and it'll help. And, and so you end up with some kids that aren't, you know, aren't so great. So, so that is there. Um, and I do remember that there are kids that came in and you're like, Whoa, (laughs) you're a bit different than us. (laughs) Right. And my sister actually went to this, um, for preschool to the same school that you, that Christian oh yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I have friends actually have a friend that sent her child there not too long ago. Um, okay. that's it. I think it's probably one of the main Christian schools in Corona. Yeah. So again, so Christian schools, that's going to vary. And I think that that is an option for some people. We've got some girls in our group. We have, um, some girls in our group that work and that send their kids to, reform schools and some that just send them to Christian schools. And I want to talk about homeschooling for a minute here. One of, one of my concerns with homeschooling, we're going to talk about the positive of homeschooling, but I, I personally don't think it's for everyone. And for a few reasons, first of all, it's not practically for everyone. As I know somebody whose kids were being homeschooled, their spouse left them. They have to work full time. They cannot continue to homeschool. That they, they just literally aren't able. And we've got, uh, I know a single mom that um, her husband left her and doesn't have anything to do with the family anymore. And she was homeschooling and she can't homeschool anymore. She has to work and provide for their family now. And so that's one of my concerns with the homeschooling only and I understand that I understand we'll talk about it in a minute that there's reasons why public school is not a great option in many cases. But I think that we also have to be careful in saying this is the only way. Now, homeschooling is great for so many reasons because you have control over what your kids are learning. You know, I love that because you can protect them from influences like Ashley was talking about. She was in the Christian school. Um, Think of some other positives with homeschooling. Um, Yeah. I mean, you get to speak so much into your kids 
you know, they're, they're, they're developing their worldview and their understanding of things. And, and you're the primary person that's you and your spouse are the primary people speaking into that. And, um, education wise, it can be great as well. I mean, I know homeschool kids that are way advanced. I mean, way past where, you know, public school kids are. So you have the ability to do that when, you know, cause, cause in a school setting, there's 30 kids in a class and the teacher's teaching to all of them. And, but when you're homeschooling, you're just you and your kid or you and a couple kids. And so you're able to do a lot more in, in an amount of time than, than a public or private school teacher can do. Yes. And though, and it can be a wonderful option. Another thing is um, let's say your child moves quickly through their math curriculum. You can move right on to the next grade. You don't have to keep them like, you don't, you know, they finish fourth grade math, but they're still in the middle of fourth grade. You can move them into fifth grade math and they can, yeah. you know, continue to move on. But there's something that people don't want to talk about on, on the negative side. And this is not a negative of homeschooling. This is a potential problem. And that is there is some educational neglect. When I wrote my article, is homeschooling the answer? I was con I was surprised by how many people I was contacted by, but um, several people contacted me and said I was homeschooled and I didn't go past algebra one. I didn't know much history or science, and so I hear a lot of that. I've had moms contact me and confess to me that they are completely failing their children educationally by homeschooling them. And that's one of that's a concern of mine. There are so many people doing a wonderful job, but there are people struggling to do mm -hmm. a good job. There's not any super great statistics out there as far as how homeschoolers are doing, partly because most of the studies are done on a volunteer basis and who's going to volunteer? <laughs> the right. ones doing well. Right. Um, what we do know, the things that we do know that I did get from a website I'll link in in the episode notes is that on standardized testing, homeschoolers do better in English than um, public schoolers, but worse in math. Hmm. And that's not a surprise to me, actually, because I think I think homeschoolers are very good at it at encouraging their children to read, which I think increases, um, you know, their, um, their knowledge of, of English and, and stuff. If I could guess, um, I would guess a lot of homeschool moms feel very comfortable with English and social studies. Whereas I, I mean, I've talked to, you know, moms in my church and they're like, Oh my gosh, she's, you know, she's entering sixth grade with math and I'm kind of nervous. Like it, you know, they don't, they just feel a little scared about teaching math at that, at, you know, once they get past a certain age. Yeah. And for me with my, with my younger kid, my two younger kids, I started with using Singapore math, which was like the best decision I ever made um, on homeschooling curriculum. And they did so, so, so well that, you know, like Ian was, he was in algebra two by ninth grade and he was in trigonometry in 10th grade. And I, I don't, I mean, that's when he was at the the math science charter school that my kids go to, but I don't, I'm not actually even sure what I would have done. I know there's ways to do it, but I, I never even took trigonometry. So, <laughs> yeah. So, and there's, there's different things so that there are ways to do it. I have friends who are math tutor or are tutors of various subjects for homeschoolers. I know a lot of resources to help with math. If anyone who's listening is interested, I'm a math teacher. I, I got my master's in math education. I know a lot. So if anyone has questions, they can they can message me um, for some resources. Oh, that's a great that's a great idea. Yeah. So and then as far as as far as like the SAT, ACT, the kids that do take it and not all do, but the kids that do take it do well. Yeah. And so those are kind of the bait, the general statistics. And so what we do know is that you can do a good job of educating your children at home. Yeah. And we know, I mean, you did a good job and we know a lot of people that are doing a really great job. Yes, we do. And, but I know that we've got some women out there, even in our group that have contacted me and just said, I'm, I'm struggling to do a good job. And I, 
and I guess my concern is, are if we're in in some circles, if we're going to proclaim that homeschooling is the only answer, are we offering any assistance for those that are struggling to do it? When I was homeschooling, I for a year homeschooled the daughter of a single mom, and and I also have tutored homeschool kids. Because and so. I guess what I would say is if you are in a homeschool community and you're somebody who does a good job, I would encourage you to find ways to offer assistance and, and help to maybe some moms that are struggling. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great point. We should be helping each other out with that. Yeah. That's why homeschool co-ops are so great. I think, you know, my kids, they went to one homeschool co-op for the one they were at for the longest amount of time. It was a fairly large one and they, it was great. They, they took science and art and music and drama and, you know, some different subjects like that. They, they did um, different musicals and plays every year. I mean, the, they did, they were in a production of Oklahoma Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of great things. And I, I think homeschool co-ops are a great, a great option for kind of maybe filling in some of the subjects that maybe you're not, a, I'm, I'm horrible at art. Like I just, <laughs> my, we did not do much art with my kids. So I was so glad when they could be taking an art class every year with this amazing teacher. I mean, right. every week with this amazing teacher. And so that's what I would say. Because I personally don't think homeschooling is for everyone, I really would love to see churches have a discussion about church schools, which I mentioned mm -hmm. earlier. And so, there are some reformed churches that are doing that, um, that do have that do have church schools like I described. And they the church works together to make it happen, mm -hmm. um, to be able to fund it. And and I. I even know of a very, very poor church that's doing it. Hmm. And so there there are options out there. I've done a lot of research and talked to some different people. There are different ways of doing church schools. There's different models that are doable, even if you don't have teachers that can come in and help. If you can homeschool, you can help with the church school. Yeah, I wonder too, like, I, you know, being, especially being in reformed churches, you look around and, and you see just that's what everyone's doing. And so there might be this sense um, with homeschooling where you feel like, I think that's the only acceptable thing to do, like as a reformed Christian, you know, you might feel that. Right. Um, and I think, you know, I spent probably a year or so convinced that that's probably what I was going to do. And when I, now I'm a little more open, but when I was really convinced of that, you know, and I started to like kind of self-reflect, I realized the main reason I was convinced is pretty much like a, a pressure to do it. You know, like it was, it's just looking around and going, that's like, like thinking if I don't homeschool my kid, I'll be the only one. Okay. In my entire church that doesn't, yeah. you know, like that you just feel that pressure. Like, I think, I think that's the only option I have. Like, it, it must be the most Christian way of schooling, you know, yeah. um, you know, in wanting to do the right thing for your kids. So, um, you know, I, I just right. think that's not, that's not a good reason to choose homeschooling mm -hmm. um, because everyone else is doing it. Right. Doesn't sound like right. here in middle school yeah. um, because everyone else is doing it. Um, and also you touched upon the fear aspect, right? Yeah, yeah, I didn't quite get into that, but I th I think that fear drives a lot of homeschooling. That um, I I'm afraid that my kids will not grow up to be good Christians, hmm. and if I homeschool them, that gives. Oh, you were talking about the fear that home that public school is bad, which fits into that. That right. yeah. I'm afraid that if I send them to public school, that it will completely mess them up. Yeah, that right. It, yes, because and and I understand where that comes from, especially if you've been in public schools. I mean, I've spent a lot of time, obviously, in public school. I'm there every day working. You do see a lot of ugly stuff, and you're just like, gosh, like the world is just so 
depraved, you know? And yeah. so you're like, I don't want my kids acting like these kids that I see. And, and so I, you know, I understand where that comes from. Yeah. I think this is the time that I need to speak to something. And that is homeschooling will not guarantee that your children will never rebel. And I think that I believed that if I homeschool, my children will not rebel. And, um, and I had one rebel as a homeschooler mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, we saw, we saw so much rebellion among our homeschool community that we have a Facebook group that one day someone said, is homeschool causing this? Like it was that we saw so much rebellion and my, I don't think it's actually homeschooling, but I do think that legalism mm -hmm. um, can result in rebellion. And I think that sometimes as homeschoolers, we can um, tend towards legalism. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I've heard, I've heard people say things like, like, I know you've read that book, like give them grace. Um, and you know, if you're not, if you're not teaching them like the truth, like the gospel and you're just teaching them moralism, right. Like, they're gonna, they're gonna rebel, you know, but like yeah. eventually, eventually they, there's like, there's no reason for all these rules that I've been raised up in, you know? And so I think the people that are homeschooling really well are, are those, and, and you, I mean, you, you taught your kids the gospel and still had one rebel. So, yes. so, so even, even if you're doing all the right things and, and making sure it's, it's not, it's not a guarantee. Right. And I think that it, it's funny because we we're reformed Christians, which means we hold to the doctrines of grace and recognize that salvation is 100 percent of God. But I still think somewhere inside of us, we believe that it's partly us that makes our children become Christians. Mm. And I think part of it's a misunderstanding of, you know, train up your child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. I'm not going to get into what that verse means, but I think there's some misunderstandings. And my son, so my, my son actually rebelled for a different reason than his friends rebelled. And he's talked to me quite a bit about it. Um, he rebelled <clears throat> when I got very sick and we had several losses. We had a suicide in our family and we had some untimely deaths of people close to us and some different things. And my son saw so much suffering among Christians and he said it was he couldn't believe in a God that allowed those who love him to suffer this much. And that's kind of where my son's rebellion came in. But his friends and he's talked to me about this. His friends say Christianity is just about a list of what you do and don't. And they'll say Christians, all Christians do is tell you what you can and can't do, but they're hypocrites because they do all this other stuff. And my son will tell me all the time that he'll say, that's not true. That's my parents are Christians. That's not how they are. And that's not how all Christians are. And so but you can see how the legalism kind of drives that thinking that Christianity. So what's Christianity about? They don't think Christianity is about the gospel. They think Christianity is about a list of do's and don'ts. And the story I've told before is the kid that I knew homes that growing up that was homeschooled. We were in a church with a clear presentation of the gospel and he left the church. And I said, why did you leave the church? And he said, I could never be good enough for my parents how was I ever going to be good enough for God? That is what he said verbatim. Wow. And I actually have it because I it was in a, a text message. <laughs> and so we could talk about this another time, the gospel and parenting. But I think that's what's important right there is, mm -hmm. um, is finding opportunities for the gospel in your home. Yeah. Let's talk about a few things in public school. And I'm going to put you on the spot, Ashley. Sure. I'm guessing most of our listeners are conservative mm -hmm. and conservatives have overall had a very negative attitude towards common core. <laughs> and, uh, and 
You know, I, for me, <laughs> I have to be honest, for me, you know, listening to my political talk radio like I do, you know, I heard Common Core is bad. If my people think it's bad, must be bad um, <laughs> before I even really looked into it. But you're the expert on it. And I, I really want you to talk about it because that's one of the reasons people say public school is bad. Common Core. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I want to preface this with. I myself went into college with as a straight A math student, majored in math, and had professors tell me, you're really lacking in your understanding of math. Because the schooling that I grew up with, um, my, my private and my public schooling, was the old way of teaching math, where it was, you know, repetitive you know, do numbers one through 70 odd in the textbook, um, drill and kill kind of stuff. And so that was my upbringing with math. And then I started teaching three years ago and that was the second year of Common Core implementation. And I was handed this curriculum and I was like, what in the world is this? Like, I didn't understand it, thought it was silly. And my first year, I really had to stretch myself as a teacher to figure out how to teach it. By the end of the year, I was amazed by the curriculum. I went in so skeptical. I was amazed because rather than, you know, the old way of teaching is <clears throat> a, a teacher stands in front of the class, they lecture for 20 or 30 minutes, and then they say, okay, now you do it. And the kids all do it. And there's no real conceptual understanding. Um, I mean, there were basic things I did not know as a math major about math just because all I knew was, you know, oh, just solve for X, solve for X, you know. And so that kind of changed my perspective a lot um, on it and seeing rather than, you know, rather than me getting up there lecturing, having my students like do more exploring, um, digging into the conceptual aspect of the mathematics rather than just the procedural. Um, and I, I just really saw my kids blossom. And this was in an extremely impoverished area, um, one of the lowest schools in the entire state. Um, and I just had some great conversations. My kids were talking about the math. They were engaged. And I'm like, I never saw this when I was growing up in school. And, and I was just amazed. Now, is that what's going on in all classrooms, like everywhere with this type of math? No. Um, but I think there's a lot of misunderstanding as to what it what it is. And, um, you know, like I said, I just finished my master's in math and so in math education. And what, one of the things I looked a lot into is the, the different curriculums. There's definitely good ones and there's definitely bad ones. And there's a lot of teachers who are trying to teach these new standards and they have no idea what they're doing. And it's not their fault because they've been teaching the same way for 20 years. Um, and also now we want to teach conceptually rather than um, procedurally. Um, and I would argue that, you know, a good curriculum is conceptual and, and procedural because you need both. Um, but I think there's like these Facebook videos on the, on, you know, that are on Facebook that are like, my kid came home with their homework and, you know, this is what they're being asked to do. And can you believe this? And then like all the commenters are like, common core, it is just the worst. And, and I think people haven't really taken the time, at least the, the people that I've talked to have not taken the time to really understand the issues. And um, there are more issues with the younger the younger grades where I agree some of the stuff is developmentally too early. Um, but with the older grades, I think it's it's wonderful. And and I, I believe this so strongly that conceptual math is better that if if I were to homeschool my kids, I would I would do what you did, Singapore math or something conceptual. Um over like Saxon or one of the old ways of teaching math yep. because it is so much better for kids and, and just for learning and for enjoyment of math. Well, and my, and my story is I used Saxon with my first two kids and they hate math to this day. And there's a lot of drill and kill in Saxon. And then my sister found an article and I know some people like Saxon and if it, if it works well for you, great. Um, but this is just my story. 
Um, but she found an article, some math professor from um, a university, and and he looked at all of the, the children's um, math curriculums. And he said Saxon is by far the worst. And the best one in English is Singapore. And I'm like, I'm switching to Singapore. And what happened? My two younger kids love math. They are both go they're both planning on pursuing things that um, are math related. And they have done so well. They consistently on every standardized test they've ever taken, they've scored in the 99th or 98th percentile in math. And they're, you know, doing amazing in math. You know, my my 12th graders doing college math. And so that's my ex experience. And I've seen the difference between the hating math and the loving math. And it's a known thing that America has done a horrible job yeah. on math. Okay. It's a known, it's a known thing that other countries far surpass us. We're ranked really, really low. And, um, I think it's going to take a while for us to correct that as a country. And I, and I think part of the problem is, you know, they compare us to like Finland and like there's like five million people in Finland and they all have like the same background and like this, you know what I mean? Like it's a right. very uniform country and like the U.S. we're this huge melting pot and we have, you know, 350, 60 million. So, you know, sometimes when they compare us to like Singapore and Finland, I'm like, oh, yeah, OK. But, you know, Finland right. is like as big as the county I live in. So <laughs> maybe maybe we can like compare us to China. Like, uh, OK, I'll take that, you know. Um, but, it, you know, and another thing is it. I'm not saying that Common Core has been this universally good thing because in a lot of schools, it's not been implemented well. Um, teachers have not been trained on how to teach it. And so they're trying to teach it and they're just botching it, you know? And honestly, some of that is because they themselves don't understand the concepts, the mathematical concepts. Um, I know they're like, I had to, when I was teaching, I was teaching my freshman, my first year, and the first unit was on like linear expressions there were things I was learning as I was like preparing myself to teach it that I had not understood about math before because I never had to understand it. I just had to do it. I just had to drill, you know, drill and kill. So this just, has helped you understand yes, math. It has. And, and I, and I have an undergraduate degree in math. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, people that I talk to usually dismiss what I have to say. And I'm like, look, I have a lot of experience with math and math education. Right. You know, I, I had, you know, I cried through my math degree because it was so hard for me. I had to relearn so much that I never understood. And I got A's in every math class I ever took growing up. So it wasn't, you know, I was, I was learning what the teachers were teaching. Um, and so I think, I think, uh, the standards, the new standards are, are a good step in the right direction, but it's going to take years for our system to actually correct itself towards more of a conceptual direction than this drill and kill we've been doing since the fifties, honestly. Yeah. Um, and on it. So I, and I've done a lot of research like the, the reason why we were doing this kind of math is because in the fifties we were training factory workers. You need to be able to follow procedures you know, and we yeah. just never dropped it. That's just how we've taught math. And that's why, you know, people always tell me, oh, why did they have to change math? It was fine the way it is. And I'm like, did you like math in high school? Because right. <laughs> and you hear it all the time. Yeah. I've seen people say to you, I hated math. I hate math. Well, of course you hated math. It was just following procedures. It was so boring. It was mind numbingly boring. So people who want to tell me it was good the way it was, I'm like, was it that good though? Cause, cause you didn't like it. And most ever, like the first thing people say to me, they find out I'm a math teacher. They go, Oh, like their, their whole body language is just like, Oh my gosh, I hate my, they're like all the power to you. And then I tell them I teach middle school and they're like, Oh wow. <laughs> it's like a double whammy middle school and math. you know. Um, so it, if you're, if anyone's interested, I don't want to belabor the point. Um, I know I disagree with most Christians on this, um, but I <laughs> I think it's a Christian thing. Like it has a Christian a, view a, of Common Core. <laughs> it's a conservative. It's a politically conservative thing. Um, and so, it, if you're interested, you can message me. We can argue about it. Um, 
I don't I don't mind that okay. one bit. The theology gals, Ashley yeah. Common Core. Yeah. And, so, and, and people, don't do that. She wants she's real good at speech and debate. Uh, people will tell me, well, in my friend's school, this kid, and I'm like, yeah, that probably was a really bad school. And you know, that probably was really bad. You know, it's not you can't just take an you know, one one experience, but I, I will say that's the direction math is moving more towards the conceptual. Um, and so if you really don't like that, like you want your kids to do drill and kill, I would say don't put them in public school because that's that's where we're going. Like it's, right. it's going to keep going in that direction. I, as someone who's, you know, studied this a lot, am excited about it. You know, and it needs a lot of work. We, we have a right. long way to go. Well, and it and takes a while. People don't like change. I think that's a a big part of it is we yeah. we don't like we don't like change. So one thing I wanted to mention that I neglected to um, is that so when we were talking about how all public schools are different in Colorado, I, I believe in California too, in several states they now have charter schools, and in in my experience, at least the ones that we've been involved in have been very very good, and we've been very we've been very blessed because we've had things like Christian principles. Um, you know, my son, one of my son's teachers or his, his main teacher when he, my youngest, when he started school was someone from our church, which was really a, a huge blessing. And, um, so my kids went to, um, this, uh, um, a couple of them went for, um, a time to, a, a K-8 um, charter school, and that was just wonderful, and it, we had a great experience with it. And then my my two youngest ad now attend a math, science, technology college prep high school, and it's, you know, it's, it's got a, um, it's a program with the, they have this program with the local college. So they're taking college classes. They actually teach some of the college classes on my kids' campus. It is a very, very small school. I think there's going to be 60 in Ian's graduating class. And so I think this size makes a really big difference, too. And if you don't do well at the school, you're out. So I think that makes a big difference, too. If kids aren't serious about education, they're not they're going to not remain there. I mean, they they told my friends, uh, my friend, yeah, I don't think this school is for your son. Um, and before she even went, before he even was going to go. And so I think that makes a difference in the environment at the school also. But it just makes the point that not all schools are the scary, horrible place. I understand they are not Christian. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, if your kids are in school, you can still be the primary influence in their lives. And um, for me, it was always important to talk to my children. I wanted my children to talk to me about everything. And they do sometimes things I don't even want to know. <laughs> and um, like my son, Austin, every single day when he comes home from school, he comes right to me and sits with me for half an hour and tells me everything about his day. And things he learned, like in his social studies class, they did a debate on gun control because it came up with, um, you know, with what's been going on and the walkout this week and everything like that. So they decided to have a debate. And I, you know, I, I was even he even said to me, he said, my teacher never tells us what he thinks about these things. But they just, they did like any debate. There was kids on both sides, regardless of what they believe about it, because that's how debate <laughs> class works. And, and you know, and he, and he talked to me about the points that he thought were good on both sides. And we, we talk, we have conversations. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's so important. Spend time with your children, talk to your children, eat dinner together, you know, talk to them at dinner. That's that's like one of my favorite times of the day is having my whole family together around the table. And I think I think a lot of Christians still do that. But many families don't, you know, when you're all together, we usually are laughing because my, you know, my one son likes to make 
Oh, my my son makes up math jokes, math and chemistry jokes. <laughs> so that's usually we're usually laughing because they aren't that funny. Um, but, you know, just talk to your children talk to them about everything and and make sure that they know they can talk to you. Ask if they're I have two kids who will tell you everything you want to know, whether you want to know it or not. And two kids that I have to fish a little bit more for information from. Yeah. Yeah, I I think um, with public schools, um, e even I would be, you know, knowing what I know about them, I would be very cautious about what schools to put them in. And I do think charters are a really great option. My sister is working at one right now. And um, I'm just like, wow, it's a really great school. And so if you're a parent and you're going to put your kid in public school, just do a lot of research. Um on the area and i think a lot of it comes down to the community that um you're in too right um, i know i know tim challies has written some stuff about sending his kids to public school and you know i think he he probably lives in a really great community um and so if you're living in an area that's not the best see if there's like a public charter or so, like you know like colleen did because um you know, you just want to, you want to be careful. Um, there, there's ratings online you can read and, you know, go talk to the the teachers, the admin, get a sense of the school. Cause, um, there, there are a lot of bad ones, um, that you, right. you want to, you want to avoid. Um, mm -hmm. and I think, I think where I've been falling lately on education in general is it really is like a, it's a it's your family's decision on how you want to school your kids and you know homeschooling's great um private school is great if you can afford it um public school can be great um and i i don't like when people say like this is how christians should school their kids because there are a lot of christians in good conscience schooling their kids all of those ways and i think at the end of the day you need to do what's best and you might put your kid in public school and then after two years be like, nope, pulling them out. Or you might homeschool for a couple years and realize this isn't for us and, you know, put them in school. Or, you know, I've heard all sorts of stories from people. I, lo I love hearing people's stories about what they do. You know, why did you choose homeschooling? Like, what do you think of it? You know, why did you choose private school, public school? Um, it, it shouldn't be that, you know, there's a, I don't think there's a Christian way um, to school your kids. And I, and I know people would disagree on that. Um, right. But I, I, I did think that for a time, I did think that homeschooling was the only option, but I, I've been persuaded otherwise. So, yeah. And I, I would say the other thing that, that I want to add is I recognize that it is becoming difficult for many reasons to put your kids in many of the public schools out there. And that's one reason why I'd like to see us have a discussion about the option of church schools because that homeschooling is not an option for everyone and because the public schools in your area may not be good. I'd love to see more options. And with a church school, you're not having to worry about the cost that you have to worry about with a Christian school. I have friends paying $10,000 per year per child in wow. Southern California for a Christian school. And so that that makes Christian school not a possibility, but with church schools, when it's done in such a way that it's made possible for um, all the covenant children, regardless, it's a wonderful, I think I've seen it work very well. Um, I've talked to people from three, recently I've talked to people from three different church schools and they mm. don't, They it's not a school that's open to the community. Mm. Yeah, that's a really great. And I'm sure in most congregations, there's, there's a lot of moms that are gifted. And, you know, I'm thinking in my congregation, I'm a math teacher and we've got an English professor and a former art teacher, you know, like there's, right. there's probably people in your congregation that are capable of kind of coming together and, and doing something like that. Um, so, yeah. Well, that's when funny. I started the homeschool co-op, that's what we did. You know, I had moms uh, from our church and in other places, and we had different things. I, you know, I majored in music, but I still taught, I still taught science. Mm -hmm. And because 
you can, if you can homeschool, you can teach several kids, you know? Right. And so I, that, it's something that I would just like to see um, more people, more people discuss as, as an option and maybe see more people implement. There's ways to set up church schools where you don't have to have teachers that have their degree. Mm-hmm. So with, with these church schools. Yeah. So please know that we recognize that there's a lot of reasons why public schools may not be the best place. Yeah, I see them every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. My parents both have master's degrees and they read to me since I was teeny and you know they they're both in you know science fields and you know just just did a lot at home to you know develop my my education even though they didn't school me themselves I was you know sent to school and so it makes sense that I was a better math and science student than most of my peers <laughs> right because of my home like you know well you probably yeah. got um help with your homework too that um maybe other kids didn't my mom was a teacher and she's taught both English and math and okay and one time when I, when I was struggling with geometry, you know, my mom right away got a friend of hers to tutor me that um, that taught right. geometry. You and know, that's, yeah. they call, you know, they call those of us that were born into homes where our parents, you know, read to us since we're little and do all that. They call us third base kids. Have you heard that expression before? No, I haven't. It's, it's, it's in the education world. So a third base kid is a kid that like once they get to school, like you put them in school the school just has to bring them home because they're already at third base because the parents are doing so much at home. Oh, okay. A- another kid whose parents aren't doing all those things, not reading to them, the school has to do a lot more, you know, to get them to to where they need to be. So Derek and I will joke, oh, yeah, like because I'm pregnant. Oh, it's going to be a third base kid. You know, we're going <laughs> to. So. And, and, and that's, that actually brings up a wonderful point. Even if you aren't homeschooling, you got your kids at a Christian school or church school or public school, you can do so much at home, you know, take advantage of all your time with your children. I mean, as I said early on in the beginning of this, read aloud to your children. We're all so busy. It's easy to have Netflix playing all the time and Facebook on our phones and podcasts playing. (laughs) Um, But sit down with your children and read to them. When when my kids were young, as soon as they gave up their nap, every single day after lunch, we had quiet reading time. And they would sit when before they could read, they would sit with books and look at them. And as soon as they could read, it was an hour that they had to sit and read. And guess what? They wanted longer. <laughs> so he started reading more. Wait, wait, wait. I got another chapter. And um, I used to do things like I wanted to read this one book aloud because we would read a chapter book. Um, well, I actually would read a chapter of a book first before they read on their own. I always did that. And I was but there was this one book I had given to my son, Jonathan. And I said, here, go read this. He goes, I'm not interested. And I said, well, can I read a chapter aloud to you? And it was at night. I think his brothers were asleep. And he's like, okay. So I read the chapter aloud. He's like, can you read one more chapter? And I said, okay. So I read another chapter. And then he went up He went up to get ready for bed. And he came down and grabbed the book. He said, I can't handle it. And he ended up reading the whole thing by the next day. <laughs> and my kids, I'll find him like, where's, where's my son? Oh, he's been reading for four hours, you know. And teach your children to love reading, especially now where I think there's so many distractions from it. Yeah. I just think it's, I think your children will do better in life if they're readers. Mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a good thing, and of course, you want them to read scripture too. You want to encourage that. So, well, I think we've given a lot of information for everyone to think about. Is there anything else that you can think of that we should add? No, I think I think we covered it. Um, we probably didn't talk a lot about home. I feel like we talked mostly about other schooling options besides homeschooling, and I think that's because there's already a lot out there like Christian Christian already talking about homeschooling a lot. I think one of the reasons why we wanted to do this episode is to talk about the other options that 
um, don't really get talked about in our reform circles. Um, but we are obviously huge fans of homeschooling. So. Yes, we, we absolutely are. And if you're somebody that says, my kids are in public school right now and I want to investigate homeschooling and I don't know what to do, there is a Facebook group for reformed homeschool moms and um you can contact one of us we can connect you i will i think that one of the theology gals admins is maybe one of the admins jana yeah. so um you can reach out to her she's at least can connect you with it but either of us can connect you and we all the time in our group people will say i'm gonna start homeschooling my kid i don't know where to start and one thing I will say that I do love is that there's been so much more curriculum put out since when I started. And I've just loved seeing how many different options. Oh, I have a fun fact. My mom was homeschooled. So, wow. and she's seven. How's my mom? My mom's 73. No, <laughs> se no wow. she's 75. She's 75. So maybe she was the first generation generation well the reason she was homeschooled is because um they moved to venezuela and she grew up in venezuela as a missionary oh, kid and okay. so and they actually used and it's still around calvert which is um one of the homeschool curriculums so that's yeah. that's what they used that's what her parents used to homeschool her so i thought that i think it's kind of a neat little fact she mm -hmm. did come back to the United States for her senior year because she had to have surgery on her knee. So she still she still keeps in touch with some of the people she graduated with and has gone to some high school reunions, but she was homeschooled. So wow. we are we do think homeschooling is a wonderful option, but we do recognize that that some people are struggling or it's not an option in your life for for some reason. You know, I mentioned a couple of those and I've there's women, uh, there's a couple of women in our group who've contacted me and said, I want to homeschool so badly, but I can't, we can't afford for me to quit my job right now. You know, they live in an expensive area or something like that. So I know that there are many situations out there where someone for whatever reason, isn't able to homeschool. And so that's why we wanted to kind of talk about some of these, these different things. And, you know, if you disagree with us, please, you know, email us at theologygals at gmail.com and we'll try to respond to what you said. Because I know we did not respond to some of the biblical arguments for for homeschooling only. And maybe we can talk about some of those on another episode. So I did want to mention that I am slowly getting everything done. And hopefully there's just, there's just a lot going on. It's been a lot of work um, moving off the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network and getting everything on a new site and stuff like that. So all, all of that will come along. And lastly, last week I had mentioned Grace Alone Witness Apparel. They've got a lot of shirts, a lot for women, and they did something so kind and gracious. And they are offering a 25% off Theology Gals discount. So if you tape Theology Gals, no spaces in the code box on Grace Alone Witness Apparel, 25% off. And I believe that's the highest discount they've ever done. So I want to give them a shout out and thank them for doing that for us. So, okay. Well, we will see you next week. We got a lot of um, great topics. I know this was not especially theology related, but we do have, we will get back to some more theology centered things. So we'll see you next week.